The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 2, where we talk about some movies and read some fiction. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can always contact me at Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, I'm going to do some more Christmas Elf Secret Agent for you today. I know this uh, book has been uh, a long time coming, especially because I had planned to have it done a lot sooner than this, but, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. So, uh, yeah, here's the next chapter of Christmas Elf Secret Agent. Otenenbaum, Otenenbaum. They flew over the globe at a tremendous speed, even though it felt like a cool breeze that was caressing their hair. The ground slipped past, much like it did on the space station high above the Earth. They flew north over Africa and were heading towards Europe. Elijah looked at the train below with a sense of wonder and loss. Even though he's reeling because of his missing sister, he still couldn't help but gaze at the sights passing under them. Sometimes it was hard to remember that he was just a kid, because the boy had grown so much since they had first started. Either way, Elijah didn't want to talk, and Jing wasn't the type to force it. Krampus, on the other hand, could not shut up. He chattered about everything. The cities had grown so much more extensive since he was locked up. He spouted out facts about landmarks they had passed. He regaled memories about people Jing didn't know. Old-fashioned tips and pointers were given freely on all sorts of topics. How to churn butter, the best location for an apple tree, how to navigate the stars to name a few. Krampus seemed to have an endless supply of drivel. Usually, Jing would break the neck of a person who talked too much, but he did not want to look bad in front of the kid. Instead, he endured each second of the torturous flight north. Jing would have preferred silence, mainly because Krampus wasn't providing useful information. The wayward SEF took over driving the sleigh so he could tune his oversharing passenger out, even though it had not been that long since they had lifted off from Antarctica. It felt like they'd been flying forever. 
So you see, Krampus said, if you rotate your cows from pasture to pasture, their poop can act as fertilizer. Which reminds me about Benny. Do you know about Benny? Jing shook his head. Benny was a hilarious guy. Always getting into trouble. <laughs> You'd love him. Krampus continued. Benny had this theory about cows. You see, he thought that the cow lived on the moon. Jing focused on the tacit hand, and Stephen popped into his mind. The moment was odd. The anger that had been festering inside him was gone. All that was left was a dull ache from the love he had once had. He wasn't even mad at Julio anymore. The guy no longer served any purpose in his thoughts. The change happened when Amelia had helped him write the letter to Santa. She had highlighted a profound truth about family being the most essential part of Christmas. And since Stephen was his family, he couldn't be mad anymore. He had to accept that he had some role in the loss of his family. He couldn't expect that he could ignore his former lover most days of the year, and they'd still be a family. He wanted to switch his profession to dental hygienist to work regular hours and be home more than he was. However, he knew the relationship was too far gone, even if he quit being an SEF tomorrow. They had grown apart long ago and were strangers in their own house. Also, being a dental hygienist wasn't his thing. He would have been miserable at it. If he wanted to keep his family together, the time to act was long before Julio, or even when he had decided to go back to school. Now Jing understood that, and he didn't feel angry anymore, and went to a, a silent mourning for the relationship that he let slip away. Jing was so deep in his own thoughts, he didn't hear Krampus yell, Stop! Land here! When Krampus attempted to take the reins, Jing slapped the prying hands away and used the momentum to get the guy in a chokehold. Down there, I want to show you something, Krampus croaked. Jing realized what he was doing and let go. They were flying over the Black Forest in southern Germany. He allowed Krampus to steer the sleigh. They circled over a snow-capped trees for a bit while Santa's emaciated twin searched for what he had spotted before. After a few moments of backtracking, they landed on a roof of an old cabin in the middle of the woods. They climbed out of their transportation, and Krampus sauntered over to the chimney. He breathed deeply and jumped. The sound of him crashing below reverberated through the house. Jean grabbed Elijah and said, Come with me. He shot tinsel-repelling garland at the smokestack. They jumped into the depths below. They landed gracefully in a great room with tall ceilings supported by thick wooden beams. There was a Christmas tree in the center that went all the way to the top. There were many holiday decorations on both of the tree throughout the place, but they weren't the modern, mass-produced, store-bought variety. They were ancient and handmade. The religious themes in most Christmas displays were absent, even though it was festive nonetheless. Whoever owned this cabin celebrated a holiday that at first glance would seem like it was Christmas, but it was something else. Krampus spoke to the owner of the cabin in hushed tones. He was a tall, bald German man in his 60s. Jing could make out that they were speaking in German, but he couldn't understand a word of it. Elijah sat on a couch that was crafted from trees, and Jing waited, keeping a vigilant eye on the place. After a while, Krampus realized they were waiting and motioned for them to come over. Once Jing got close, Krampus grabbed the man and said, Meet the great-great-grandson of the man who saved Christmas, Heinrich Tuber. 
The man laughed and said something in German. Oh, come on now, Krampus said. Don't be so humble. You know Christmas wouldn't be what it is without your great-great-grandfather. Jing finally had enough of Krampus. We don't have time for a trip down memory lane. Come on, Elijah. We'll save your sister ourselves. They both turned towards the chimney when Krampus said, Wait, this is important. If you're ever going to beat Santa, you have to know how it all started. What do you mean? Jing said. Look at the decorations around you. They're pagan. They celebrate winter solstice. The time of the year when the sun stops falling further beneath the horizon and begins to stay out for longer and longer each day, Krampus said. I don't see how this. Santa and I aren't the only ones controlling the holidays. I'm listening. We come from a family dynasty, controlling holidays around the world. Hongbao, the, during the Chinese New Year. Krampus smiled. That's our sister's idea, Nian Zin. You have a sister named Nian Zin, Elijah said. Our brothers and sisters don't have to be the same race as their parents, unlike you humans. Krampus waved his hand and continued. The point is that there's a member of our family in every country pulling the strings of all the major holidays. I come from a dynasty that keeps the holidays going and the myths and traditions alive. Why does your family do it? Elijah said. Can't people just, like, celebrate the holidays how they want? Krampus chuckled and said, <laughs> Heinrich here is, is one of the few people on the planet who has been keeping the pagan traditions alive in my absence. You see those beautifully handcrafted symbols with all the line work? Elijah and Jing noticed some wood pieces that were carved with intricately interwoven lines. They were hanging in the room, and there were some smaller versions on the tree as well. The woodwork was excellent, and it looked as if it was carved with a machine. Krampus plucked it from the wall and flipped it over. It was signed KC1854. I, I made these, or, or more accurately, they came from my workshop. The mythology treats my brother Nick like he is some saint giving away presents to children for free every Christmas. And while that may be true, don't think for a minute he isn't making money on the endeavor. Movie studios pay top dollar for their toy line to be under every tree. Your kid got a Han Solo for Christmas? Well, of course he's going to want to get the Chewbacca. Let's not forget value add-ons. Elijah. Did you know your parents pay a subscription service every year? All those beautiful presents from mommy and daddy throughout the year were produced in one of Santa's factories. I know this because despite his best efforts to turn me into a demon, Santa still comes to talk to me. I think he misses his brother. In the beginning, there was a friendly competition between brothers. Who can make the bigger holiday? The Christians are the pagans. But don't they, like, fight each other? Elijah said. That's what religious leaders at the time wanted you to think. Christians and pagans lived together in the same villages. A lot of them would celebrate solstice one day and the birth of Christ the next. Sure, Sam and I would make some money selling ornaments just like my sister. Nian owns the world's largest red envelope factory. We keep the magic alive and get some fringe benefits. It's no worse than a bakery providing hot cross buns or holiday treats. That was at least until it got too big. What happened between you and Santa? Why is he spreading rumors about you? 
Why did he keep you locked up? Jing asked. Krampus sighed and said, It's like I said. In the beginning, it was a friendly competition. We would try to get the followers of one holiday to celebrate the other vice versa. We attempted to sell more ornaments, invent more songs, and try out new traditions. Eventually, we realized that keeping our holiday separate was a mistake. If we could unite the Christians and the pagans together for one massive winter holiday, we'd be unstoppable. We could beat any holiday that our brothers and sisters could cook up. Not only did joining forces work, but it worked better than I could believe. People were celebrating all around the world. We started delivering presents to children in Korea. Can you imagine that? Korea! We had to breed reindeer that could fly longer and faster just to make it everywhere in one night. I invented balloons to drop presents into the chimney. Later, Santa used something called a drone, I think it is. But I don't know what a dirge has to do with Christmas. Anyway, Christmas was king. We joined forces and we were unstoppable. Then the world changed around us. Populations began to swell. Demand for everything skyrocketed. We didn't mind. We were doing something we loved and getting paid for it. It was all about the money, Jing said. He had heard a lot of confessions from dirtbags before. They would calculate the payout from a wrongful death lawsuit and then compare it to the overall profit to put an unsafe toy on the market if it would make money. No, no, no. It wasn't about the money, Krampus wasn't about the money at all, Krampus said, and Jing didn't believe him. We both made plenty of it during the Christmas holiday. It was the biggest in the world, after all. Our brothers and sisters couldn't touch us. For Santa, it was about the growth. He was addicted to the status. Books, poetry, and songs were being written about him. Kids would pour their hearts out to him. Much later, after I was out of the picture, movies were being made. Santa was a celebrity. He couldn't get enough of it. He read every page of every newspaper article about him. He would badmouth the ones that would get the details wrong and portray him in a negative light. He loved being in the limelight and hated it at the same time. Once he had an image to protect, nothing could go wrong with Christmas. He created the SEFs to make sure toys got delivered on time. He moved operations to factories where labor wasn't protected so he could make them work as hard as he wanted. If someone was coming off a double and had to do a triple, he'd make him do it. The success of the holiday was all that drove him, so long as Christmas looked to the world as a magical time of the year where presents and family, he didn't care what corners he had to cut. That still doesn't tell me why you were in prison when we met. I'm getting to that, Krampus said. Unlike my brother, what drove me was not success itself, but the fact that I could see how the holiday bonded people together. Take the Tuber family, for instance. Their descendants had been celebrating the pagan holidays long before even my parents were on the scene. Each generation passed it down to the next. It was one time of year where the Tuber family attempted to connect with each other regardless of distance. It wasn't until his great-great-grandfather where the tradition really took a twist. You see, he married a Christian woman. He had to celebrate both the winter holidays for both families. He decided to do both. It was the moment where I realized the holidays were not about the stuff that surrounds it, 
but about the people we choose to spend it with. The tubers helped me understand that I was going down the wrong path. When I saw Santa use cheapest labor he could find, naughty children, I played with him, but kept a secret. When he wouldn't listen, he ignored me, no matter how many times I tried to get him to see the actual power of the holiday. It was easy for him to justify a kid on the naughty list, missing here and there for the sake of profit margins. After a while, when it was clear I would never get through to him, I couldn't stay silent. I needed to reveal the truth about Santa. I had to tell the world. I didn't care if it would ruin my holiday. I liked the days of handcrafted knickknacks better anyway. Santa had different plans for me. He needed to protect his secret. He needed to protect his image most of all. King's world had been turned upside down. Krampus had always been a demon and a trickster, and Santa was the saint. Even though he had seen it firsthand, he wanted to give Santa the benefit of the doubt. He tried to blame some rogue elves and even Krampus himself. However, the evidence was too overwhelming. Santa knew what was happening to the kids. He might have also been the one to design the whole system. Jing thought he was a part of the inner circle of the North Pole, but he had been a puppet of Saint Nick. Every mafia boss hoarding toys or using children labor he made disappear was just Chris Kringle's way of eliminating the competition. It made Jing sick to his stomach to know that every factory full of kids that he had saved was just going from one form of slavery to another. Jing never asked what happened after he rounded up the bad guys. He was nothing more than a cudgel to protect Santa's image. Jing had an epiphany. He knew how he could take down his former employer and get back Amelia. He turned to Elijah and said, I know you want to help, but I'm in need to leave you somewhere safe. You, you said the safest place was with you, Elijah said. Trust me, I know a place that's the last place they'll look for you. Jing said, Krampus, I need you to come with me. No way, Krampus said. I'm retired. You think I had to stop here for just kicks? For the meaning of Christmas? No, I came here so you can leave me behind. And I'll take you right back here when I'm done. But I have an idea it'll take down Santa once and for all. I spent nearly 150 years locked up in a cell. I'm not going back. If we take down your brother, you'll never go back. Better else than you have tried. You think you're the first one to wander down my cell block seeking the truth? They all end up at the bottom of a seabed or under an ice sheet. How many else have gotten this far? Krampus pursed his lips and Jing continued. You can hide out here if you want. I'll find another way. But if you do hide, you'll always be hiding the rest of your life. A cabin you can never leave is just a prison cell by another name. I want to help. I'm not afraid, Elijah said. Not now. Jing snapped, but then softened his voice. You know, there is something you can do, but you'll need to do it from a safe location. Anything, please. I just want to get my sister the Christmas she wants. But you're not going to kill, torture, or otherwise maim him. Why would you think that? Uh, that's kind of what you do, Elijah said. Yeah, but they're all bad. Jing scrambled to defend himself. You know what? I'll prove it to you. I can change. No more killing. His ego may get a little bruised, but I promise I won't kill him. Elijah cleared his throat. Or torture him. Or any of the elves. Why do you care? Because that's what my sister would want. Fine. Jing said and rolled his eyes. 
His plan would be harder to pull off, but not impossible. Jing turned to his co-conspirators. In another few days, it would be a Christmas to remember. Alright, that was another chapter of A Christmas Elf. Woohoo! Well, thank you so much for listening, and uh, yeah, I'll see you another time. Bye!